All right, we're gonna move on because I, I you know. Do we have topics? Uh, tricky, yeah, tricky told me that the week that I put the ban on him, he said, "I will never break the rules." He said, "But I will." bend the rule to the lowest common denominator and exploit it to win. He was honest Absolutely. about that. I don't know if that's exa- your exact wording, but it was something along those veins. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Show Viewers. This is episode 507. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. Not to start the show off on the wrong foot or start any controversy, but Deep Rock Galactic, y'all, I don't understand the hype. He brings the awesome, it's I yield to no one. Not everybody can be cool. And to bring us the final upstanding, uh, final standings of the Be Legit, it's the legit one, it's Levi. Yeah, the uh, the heroes of legitimacy, the, the legends of, of our gaming group are decided tonight. And Tricky has also finally picked some topics that I actually know something about to discuss on the show. I think it was blind luck. But uh, I've been getting on to him about that, and this this time he he got lucky. So glad to be here. Well, unfortunately, when you start off the new year, there's not a hell hell of a lot of news. So this is what I could find, including the topic we're we're talking about. Topic that I put in uh, for the boys a month ago, and they never uh, put into the agenda. Tricky admitting on the show that he relies on old news. Oh, so there's no so there's no reason to talk about it then. Oh, God, stop. It's a month ago. It's old news. Tricky, you see, we had plenty of good topics for last week, including me reading 45 minutes of an article about Bully 2, and Tricky was like, hey, <laughs> jam this article in there, and I'm like, no, Tricky, I don't want to. You're not on the show. I'm hosting. It's my call. Well, I don't care that you put the topic in there, but I didn't realize it was going to be 45 minute topic, and somebody, somebody actually complained about it. Rick commented, and I was like, I got, because, like, look, I didn't know how, it's, it's Bully 2 has been talked about quite a bit, um, and it's been speculated, speculated quite a bit, so I wanted to get as much information I could out there without, you know, giving you enough information without reading the entire article. The problem is the entire article has a ton of information, and it's super fucking long, so if I cut out, you know, two-thirds of that article, imagine how long that actual article is, so I didn't know how many people were going to go read it. So I wanted to do it enough justice and give enough information where people would get the general idea. But also if people wanted to, you know, direct people to the article if they still want to read it. So, But I got halfway through it and I'm like, God, this might have been a mistake. Yeah, see, now you know why I read sometimes read the entire article and you guys are like, don't do that. Let yeah, but no, quick. but there's – Bully's one of those things – like Bully 2 has been like – it's there's been like so much behind it and so much speculation and obviously so much information to come out of that interview – um, from Game Informer that it's like, well, you kind of have to talk a lot. I try not to do that, but sometimes you got to. I hear you. Yeah, I'm sorry for yawning, but uh, I, I'm tired. I didn't sleep much. And considering I did like a five-hour podcast last night with the Loot Bros, it was... It was... They run Dude, it's, it, 
it's it's winter, dude. It's it's dark as dark as can be right now. It's been dark for an hour, hour and a half. So everybody's tired around this time of the night. The the best part about the Loop Brothers podcast is we finished and we didn't actually like put a, a, a stop to the show. And then somebody suggested, oh, we just do this as the Patreon content. Another three hours of content. So. We uh we went we definitely went long last night. All right, so let's do as we do every week and give you an updated trophy count. I am level 679, total trophies of 16,421 with 370 platinums. Yes, that's my actual count, not the bougie count that I was trying to pass off to you guys last week that I had to patch into the show to make things. No, I read it later on. You can ask Yield. I read it later on in the show. Uh, Do you want me to read your text message? Your text message said, "The, the agenda is final, sir. No, but Eel, didn't I go back towards the end of the show, towards the shout-outs, and read his, his trophies again? You did. See? Alex, I know, I know that because I edited the show. Yeah. I am level 452 with a total trophy count of 7,744 and a platinum count of 119 in 118 games. Yield? Where did I put that? Oh, there it is. Level 467 with a trophy count of 8171. And a platinum count of 146. Sid is level 535 with total trophies of 10,954 with 199 plats. Come on, Sid. You couldn't just get one more plat for the week? No, next 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 week is the celebratory 200. <laughs> and Levi, what's your count, sir? Um, I'm still level 200 like I was three months ago when we recorded. I haven't played any PlayStation. But uh, still level 200, 825 trophies, and zero plats. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those shit up. Well, you know, when when my life gets so dull and boring that I can spend hours looking for these, what do you call them, where you've got to find everything in the game? Of collectibles. Collectibles. When, when my life gets so dull that I can spend days searching every corner of every game I play looking for collectibles, I will then be in the Platinum race. Gotcha. That's really what knocks me out of it. I I really, you guys know, I gave it a try there a few months ago to see what it was like doing collectibles. I said, you know, I'm going to, I didn't make it a public because I didn't know if I'd finish it. But I said, I'm going to make Alan Wake remastered my, my um, my first Platinum. And I even knew where the vast majority of the collectibles were. I've played the game like eight times. And I went through and I got all but two of them. And I said, forget this. I'm not doing it again. So, yeah, the collectibles kind of knocked me out of the whole trophy thing. So you don't want to play the greatest game ever? What's that? I said, you're not trying to play the greatest game ever again? No, I've never claimed that Alan Wake is the greatest game ever. It's it's not even in my top. Let's see, it's not in my top six. It's 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 at the bottom of my top ten or the top second half of my top twenty. So no, it's it's never been that high, but it's still an amazing game. If you're doing collectibles, Alan Wake's not a great one because they don't tell you within each chapter select and how they break everything down. Um, how many collectibles you've collected out of, how many collectibles there are in the chapter. So they don't do a great job with that game of breaking it down. But I understand that, you know, Levi's like, you know, I I don't have time to sit here and, and chase all these collectibles because collectibles in video games 
can be frustrating. So, uh, but they they don't do a great job well, at, it, in Alan Wake. It wasn't actually just Alan Wake. I tried it. As you guys know, my my plan was to it's considered hundred percent or or fifteen thousand gamer score, whatever it's called, the medium. And uh, yeah, just the whole collectibles thing. It's just, I mean. The odds of me being able to go through a playthrough and get them all, I mean, it's just slim to none. I'll always miss one. So That's what they have collectible guides for. Yeah, I'm not going to spend the time to do that. All right. Uh, so let's get into what we're playing. Levi, we'll start with you, sir. Well, um, for probably four months straight now, I've I've been into post, post-apocalyptic RPG and uh, strategy-type games. So I got into XCOM uh, by someone's recommendation. I don't remember who it was, but they said, hey, you know, if you if you really love the Wasteland games, which I just went through and played all of those. I didn't finish Wasteland 1, but um played Wasteland, they said, try XCOM. So I found the XCOM Ultimate Collection on one of my CD key sites. I can't remember which one it was, but... For like thirteen bucks, I got every XCOM game, every XCOM DLC. Uh, but everyone says you know two's the best, so I went ahead and just tried two, and I fell in love with it. Um, it took me probably a good sixty hours to beat it, but I uh, finally finished it. Wonderful game. Um, the timing of the game and just the pacing of the game is terrible. It's terrible. The game could be a true 9 out of 10, but with just such bad pacing, I've got to give it more like an 8.3. But, yeah, Wastelands, XCOM, and then, of course, in the same vein would be the Fallout games. I can't decide what my favorite Fallout game is, so I'm playing my two favorites back-to-back. So I'm doing three. I'm probably halfway through it, and then I'm going to do Fallout 2. Um, they're pretty much a tie, but I'm going to see if I can pick one for my favorite Fallout game. But that's about all I've been playing is, uh, you know, some strategy post-apocalyptic RPGs. All right. Yield? So, let's see here. I have been playing Kingdoms of Alamalar Reckoning, Jack 2. How is that it. Kingdoms of Al- Alamar? Uh, it's really slow at first. Uh, once you finally get through the first, uh, I don't know, it felt like six hours. Maybe it wasn't that long, but once it finally kind of starts opening up, it's not bad. Um, you can't, you have to walk everywhere. But once you walk to a town, you can fast travel back to it. So I am doing my best to sort of explore everything, but I don't want to primarily fast travel because I know that, you know, running across the random enemies from town to town is how you're going to best uh, gain experience. Yeah, level up. So, when I kind of clear, when I kind of get myself to the point of where I'm only gaining like 20 experience for killing a guy in the area, then kind of at that point, I kind of go, okay, I'm just going back to this town to turn something in, or I'm going back to this town to sell stuff. And I just fast travel back to that town, and then fast, fast travel back to the closest town where I was at, and then continue on with what I'm doing. So, but I'm enjoying it. I'm not reading everything in depth as like I did with Horizon, because 
a lot of the people kind of seem to be covering the exact same thing when you have the option to ask them a question about something. So I'm just kind of like, just give me, give me the, the mission or the task that I'm doing. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. And off I go. So, so like on a scale of one to 10, what are we talking here? About a seven game? Uh, yeah, probably. This is kind of not the genre I normally play. It's kind of outside my, my comfort zone, but I remember playing the demo and, Demo seemed kind of fun, so I thought, you know what, what the hey, I'll give it a try. But there, they, it was kind of a slog at first, where I was just like, I really need to finish this, okay. And then one, kind of once I got through that, it's like, okay, I'm I'm digging this. A lot of a lot more management, yeah, uh, material management, so to speak, of my potions and my gear, and and I've come to use the the junk quite a bit where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore and dump it into junk. And then when I get a full backpack back to town, I go to sell everything in my junk and then continue on. So, yeah, but it, it's not, it's not bad. I, I'm enjoying it. I think it was a free plus game. It was uh, two months, two months ago. Yeah. So I asked several people who played it about it and that was kind of your feedback is what everybody says, you know, slow roll, probably seven out of 10. So, I just didn't prioritize it, so I I haven't probably won't play it, but maybe in a few years I'll give it a try. Yeah, like like I said, I'm I don't even know how far I'm into it, to be honest with you. The map the map looks so huge, but then you'll be like, Okay, I got this long walk from A to B. God, that's that's where all my missions are, it's where I gotta go. And then you start walking and then like all of a sudden you're there. And it's like, oh, but it, it looked like on the map, this was going to take me like 10 minutes to walk there. So I don't really know. I want to say I might be about halfway through the game. I know I've completed like, I'm between 40 and 50. Between main missions, faction missions, side missions, and tasks. I've done about 40 to 50 of them. Yeah. So... I'm guessing I might be right around half. So, and so besides that, let me wake my phone back up so I know where I was at. Jack 2, which I've vented my frustrations about that on the, the site. Uh, Sniper Elite 3, and I've been playing some Watch Dogs DLC Bad Bloods, which I need Tricky at some point to get a trophy. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I'm just reminding you, I need you at some point to get a trophy. Alright. Well, when it when we get past this next snowstorm or when we get past through when we get through this current snowstorm, I will sit down with you. I don't I don't think it'll take that long. We just gotta do ten co op missions. Well, the problem is I'm working from six AM in the morning until seven PM at night every night, coming home, passing the hell out and going. And then, and then getting uh, up and doing it again. Yeah, I know. No, I, I feel you. I'm not saying I need to do it now. I'm just like, I'm reminding you. Gotcha. I'm with you. Okay. That's it. All right. Uh, Alex? So, <clears throat> Rocket League Thursdays, Sorry, as I, always. I forgot. You, did you have oh, something yeah, you want to say, had, sir? I forgot. Rock- uh, yeah, we have some uh, what we're playing DLC. Yeah, I forgot. Rocket League and Deep Rock Galactic. Okay, go ahead, Alex. I saw uh, in our group message... I can't remember if it was Riley or it was Homer. <clears throat> Message last night. I uh, was messaging with Nitro about playing some Deep Rob Galactic yesterday. And I saw that Yield had posted that um, he played about three hours with Nitro and Homer. 
and really seemed to enjoy the game. It's like, okay, well, this would be a good opportunity for me to jump into the game and just see what it's about. So uh, I started to play the tutorial, and so I I, I didn't end up play in did not end up playing with everyone yesterday because I just I played one mission. I'm like, okay, I, I I'm done with this game. Uh, so the tutorial, I kind of got stuck and didn't know what to do because to me the game doesn't explain very much. And no, it doesn't. I ended up digging myself into a hole in the ground and didn't know where to go from there. Didn't know because they told me to. It's like, hey, find two hundred gold or whatever. So I had to go look for gold veins and loads, and I had no, I didn't know how to look for them. I except just use my eyes. I didn't know that you know L one was the way you could scan the rocks. So until it was either Homer or Riley who told me. So I got to this point in tutorial where I'm, I basically just dug myself a hole in the ground and couldn't get out or just had to go sideways and try to find my way through the rest of the map. So I got stuck in the tutorial and got frustrated and quit the tutorial. Went to the hub of the of the game, which is pretty cool. I mean, there's a ton of stuff to do there, but also it's really overwhelming because they don't tell you a lot. I could find the mission start thing, the big, you know, holographic globe, but then I couldn't find the drop pod or it took me some trouble to find the drop pod where to go to start the missions because I had invited I I was hosting a public online game and people had joined and I was kind of getting frustrated because like, OK, where's the stupid drop pod? Because the intercom is like, all right, go get ready for, you know, drop pods going off. So the presentation of the game is really cool. Like I said, the, the, there's a lot to do in the space station hub that you're in, but it's 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 kind of confusing. Like they don't give you a lot of information to go off of, and it's it's kind of easy to get like off put by the game really, really early on. Yes, which is kind of what happened to me. I do think it's really cool that in in uh, inside the um, the space station they have like different rooms for like if you're playing like a, it's a four player co op game. So if you have play people you're playing online with, like each person has their own room. So you come out of a room where you can switch your characters and do um, all this different stuff, and then it's like everyone has their that you're playing with has their own little bunk. So even randoms that come online, they have their own room. You know, people you're pl- you're friends with, you're playing online, they have their own room. So that may sound kind of weird, but if you've played the game, you probably know what I'm talking about. You'll, do you understand what yeah, I'm saying there? I, yeah, I got you. You have like your own little cabin that yeah, you come out of, and then you're in the the greater like this public market kind of place um, where you can start missions, and there's a bar, and you can go um, cycle through your costumes. Um, you can uh, change the appearance of your dwarves, that kind of stuff. So presentation's pretty cool. It's just... This game is clearly, like, the, the game wasn't released this past week when it was free for PlayStation Plus, and, it's, and they've already released a ton of DLC, so you're kind of thrown into the fire right away with a lot of without a lot of explanation, which is one of my first problems with it. And then I got into a mission, a co-op mission with three other people, and, and granted, they were randoms. I, you know, I wasn't communicating with these people other than the in-game things they had, like, you can yell to signify where you are, you know, ask for help or whatever. But I found the gameplay boring. Because you're, you're mining, and you use L2 to, you know, your little pickaxe, and you mine, uh, and you have, like, your little sensor, and, you know, you can, it'll tell you what different uh, minerals are, different rocks, and you use your pickaxe to mine, and you have a goal. You know, you have mining expeditions where you have a goal where you need to go find certain things, and then after that, a drop pod will come, and along the way, you'll get certain waves of enemies. You're on an alien planet, so enemies will come in, and the, the mission that I did, they were just bugs, big bugs, and... But at the end, the drop pod will come, and you have to defend yourself until the drop pod comes and picks you up, and you you all leave. To me, the whole digging gameplay was pretty boring and slow. Uh, and and you know, who knows? Maybe if I had had more time, experience with it, or knew exactly what to do. I mean, I feel like I knew what to do. It's like they give you an idea. It's like, hey, in the top right corner, find these things, and then you have your little laser, 
and you go around and you just dig dig stuff up. To me, that was kind of boring. And then the gunplay, maybe it's just because I've been playing Returnal and that has really good gunplay, but the gunplay also was just really boring to me. So while I like the look of the game, the aesthetic, and I like the idea, you know, uh, dwarves, darkness, danger, you know, you are dwarves, it's co-op game, you're mining for stuff and you're fighting off aliens. I feel like the idea was really solid, but the execution was boring. I just wasn't having fun playing the game. And we got to the end of the first mission and I was, you know, I died while we were waiting for the drop pod and no one's coming to help me. And I was like, well, I don't want to get a trophy in this game because I don't want to pop a trophy and then have to try to go for the entire list. So I just quit out and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not playing this game anymore because it just, it didn't grab me. It, I didn't gravitate to it. And it, it's really the only game I played in a really long time where I just was playing it for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes and just said, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need more of this. So I know that Yield had fun with it, and maybe he can explain what was fun for him. And I'm sure that, you know, playing with friends was part of that. But to me, the gameplay is just kind of boring. So Riley posted, or the Brain76, whichever, posted an article in our group chat from thegamer.com called Deep Rock Galactic Beginner Basics. There's a lot in that article that basically gives you things that the author of the article basically put a lot of stuff in there that the tutorial does not train you. Now, I will tell you, Alex is probably right, that playing with friends is a lot better. I have yet to play with randoms. I have either played with twice with the group of guys, or I've played solo where nobody can join my mission. Um, when we started playing it, um, we didn't know you had to get through the first mission before you could start playing. So we all signed on at the same time, we all start playing, and we all got through the tutorial. So we're already in a group chat, and as we're playing through the tutorial, we're like, okay, I'm confused, what am I supposed to do? Oh, hey, this is what I figured out, you're supposed to do this. Oh, okay. So we kind of help the three of us move along through the tutorial, because Alex is right, the tutorial's kind of junk. It, it doesn't really help you along. And then once we got through that, we jumped in and, and was playing with with, you know, with all of us, I think it's fun with a group of people. I have yet to try to play with a random. Um, the trophy list, Alex, you're probably best that you didn't because some of the trophies just seem like it's not quite Helldiver grindish, but you're not going to pop this thing in a week. Well, I mean, clearly they have kind of a platform here because, like I said, I think there's at least five separate DLC packs. I, I saw five cosmetic packs, I think, for the dwarves. So they clearly want you to invest in this game, yeah, and they been want out to microtransaction you. I guess on Steam or something, it's been out a while, so it just first came to PlayStation. But I, I enjoy, I understand what Alex is saying, because when you play solo, and you're trying to do a mining expedition where you have to mine, you know, X amount of this, and here's a secondary objective you can get, and then you can mine gold, which you helps, helps you for credits that you can buy, uh, Stuff for you know, upgrades for your guns and different looks for your dwarf, and there are uh, side minerals that you can find. Each section of the map's got a, a couple different side minerals. Those also go towards upgrades. Uh, you've got nitra, which is kind of like a red ruby looking color that you can mine, which you use to call in a resupply drop pod. So I. When you're doing it on your own, it does get a little tedious. But when you play with the group, it works out really nice because 
you can kind of, okay, I see this over here. I'm going to go do that. And you kind of don't get too far apart. So that way, when the alien horde comes, you don't get overrun and then you're screwed. You kind of, you, everybody kind of sticks somewhat close together so we can help each other out. At least that's how we play. But it, you're not doing it all yourself where everybody splits up and kind of, okay, I'm going to mine this. Okay, I'm going over here. And, but, I mean, I, I see what Alex is saying and he's right. I think it would, it would, I think he'd have more fun if he was playing with more people, but I, I, I get what he's saying. I guess what I, I, you know, I guess the core gameplay of it, and I, it, maybe it gets, com- I mean, you talk about upgrades and everything, maybe, you know, it, I'm assuming it gets more complex as you go on, but I guess just the core gameplay of digging and the combat system isn't particularly fun for me. I mean, the cool thing is, like, even, w- like, there's there's four different classes of dwarves, and even each dwarf, if you're a certain class, like, even if you're a gunner and you have a, a mach- like a, a minigun, you also have a, a pistol, so you can switch between weapons even from the start. But... Like I said, it's a good idea. I just, for the amount of time I think they're asking people to invest in this game, the core gameplay just isn't going to keep me around. And I I don't know. Can I devote that enough? To get to that Platinum Trophy and, and really make the game, make the most of the game, are we going to play enough together? You know, even with, you know, already having a Rocket League Thursday, are we going to play enough together as a group for me to warrant me playing this game? I, I just don't know. It's, so for me, the base clay, gameplay just isn't there. And it really sucks because... The concept behind the game is really cool, and I wanted to like it. I just, I don't know if I'm too keen on the digging and the fighting aspects, which is really the core of the game. Well, yeah, you're right, and and I agree with you, because I was looking at some of the trophy lists after we had played, and I've gotten some of the trophies, and I'm, I've already kind of decided, you know what? I don't know if this will be a platinum trophy I get. I'll just, I'll play, I'll enjoy the game for what it is, and if, it, you know, we get we get on a roll and we keep doing this every so often or once a week. All right, cool. And if we don't, then I, I'm okay with that. But I mean, which I, I mean, which is totally fine because I did that with Keenan Bridge of Spirits. So I mean, I stopped at ninety percent. I'm like, I'm good without the platinum in this game. If I decide to come back and try, that's fine. But for right now, I'm good. So I mean, sometimes you just play a game and it's like I don't need to get everything in this. Yeah, because they've got, like I said, Alex, they they've got trophies. So you have to do. I think it's like 500 missions total. And then you've got to do so many, a good hundred or so solo missions. You have to play 25 missions where you are 10 player levels. So that would be your, the, the blue rank in the top right corner of your screen. You have to be 10 levels higher than the person you're playing with. You got to do that 25 times. So, and then there's, there's another, there are other trophies for like playing a level five hazard map and getting through and doing that five times in a row. I think the, I think the most we've done is a two. Maybe we did a three. No, we did a two because doing a three, I think is a trophy. So yeah, so the best, best we did was a two. So yeah, if, if you truly get the platinum in this game, you are, Definitely die hard. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I've been also playing Returnal. I got through all six biomes, so I beat all the bosses. I essentially have, have beaten the game. I'm in, well, I beat in Act 1 and Act 2. Now I'm in Act 3, which is essentially, I'm completing all the surveys for all the biomes, which essentially is collecting all the collectibles, all the, the glyphs that allow you to 
translate the alien knowledge or the alien knowledge, alien language when you come across it, and the audio logs, which give you, you know, in-depth story, kind of like how the, uh, oh, what are they called? The Bioshock logs. Um, I forget exactly what they're called, but. Uh, well, I was getting ready to ask, so on a scale of one to ten, what do you give Returnal? Uh, Returnal, uh, definitely think it deserved to win Action Game of the Year. <clears throat> I, because it's really? a roguelike, I think that the frustration within the roguelike can turn will turn people away, but there's never been a better time to play it, because, as I talked about on last week's episode, you now have the option to suspend a cycle, which will save your progress at the very point you're in a cycle, which a cycle is a life, um, and you can upload that to the cloud, and essentially you have that save from then on, as long as you don't erase it or override it, so you can then pick up from that time, even if you, you know, go into their cycle or continue the cycle and you die, you can then go to the cloud and pull exactly from where you were from the start. So that allows you to keep some of your progress if you, you're on a really good run. Me personally, I would give it... I saw it get like an 8.5 on a Metac- on Metacritic. I believe that I would give it between an 8 and an 8.5. And you say um, action game of the year, but only 8 to 8.5? Well, that's true. This was a pretty terrible year. Okay, I, I, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the one thing I would say is um, the end game, the cutscenes. There's these house sequences that like serve as like a big chunk of the story. In game cutscenes where it looks really, really good, and then you get out into the the like the actual the gameplay of the world, and suddenly it suddenly looks good. Like the character model and the way that everything moves looks good. The world itself, though, doesn't look. It doesn't. You know, I've seen better looking PlayStation Five games. Is probably the best way to put it. Uh, but the way the game plays. As far as the combat goes and just the camera and how responsive everything is, there may not be no better game out there than Returnal um, when it comes to that because the camera and the controls are fan-fucking-tastic. And, and that is part of the arcade influence into the game. Well, that's good to know. So, yeah, I mean, it's something you notice right away because I said on last week's show, it's almost like the camera knows where your eyes want to go before you actually move the stick. So it's like the camera gets there before you can finish moving the stick. It's It's fantastic. And that's the first thing I noticed. Everything is so crisp. So, I mean, graphically, the game looks good. It just doesn't look as good as I would have expected for a PS5 game, except in the in-game cutscenes. Those look fantastic. Um, Story-wise, I mean, the game is mostly action. There is story there, but I don't think the story is the biggest aspect of the game. And I also don't think that you need to care about the story as much as you would say in an Uncharted game or a Last of Us game. There's just not as much need for that backing of the story because, okay, I'm on an alien planet. I'm trying to break the cycle of just constantly dying and starting over again. And really, the gameplay is kind of what you need to push you forward. It's not really the story. Although, you know, the story definitely does add to it. It's just not um, as big of a part of the game as the actual gameplay. And going straight from, you know, someone who did mostly arcade-style games, you would kind of expect that. But, no, I mean, you know, 8 to 8.5, I mean, Levi, you kind of, I don't want to say scoff, but you kind of say, oh, that game, game of the year, I mean... 8.5 8.5 on Metacritic when you come through as an aggregate for all these different... I mean, that's a really good score. And it seems like that kind of like... Do you think that a game has to be a 9.5 or a 10? Because to get like a a, a certain award for, you know... No, it, no, but I would like to see it high 8 to 9. You know, usually, that being said, this was probably the worst year I remember in gaming history, period. So... What, you know, most years your your winners of the gaming awards would be nines. I can see this year having an 8-3. Getting to PlayStation 5, 
it's the first time in a really, really like, uh, in since probably you know maybe two or three years ago that I've actually been investing in new games after I beat a game. So I would beat a game, and there'd be another game for me to play, and I would beat that game, and there'd be another game for me to play. So there was constantly some game for me to invest in. Now, granted, I took a little break in there before I brought Returnal and played a bunch of Mega Man. Yeah, games but what are game. you saying? You, you personally in games you've played, but what is your thoughts on this as a a year that releases what we got? You know, not your personal experience, but the the, the quality of games the games released. Do you think it was a a, a an average year? If it, it was it as good as 1998, no. Is it like the banner year for video game releases all of all time? No. Was it a very good year for video games? I yes, I believe so. Huh? You're probably the first person I've heard say that, but I'm glad to hear someone say that. It's like I said, I, all I have to go off of is I played a bunch of new games last year that came out last year, and I had a steady stream of games to play for the first time in years. You know, like well, I good. couldn't say that about 2020. Couldn't well, I say that can, about 2019. I, I, I genuinely mean it when I say I, I'm glad you had a good year. That's that's great. Oh, no, no, no. I, I wasn't questioning you there, Levi. I'm just saying everyone's going to have a different experience because, you know, there's some years probably when I said that I had struggled to find a game to play and other people were like, wait, what are you talking about? I was playing this. I was playing that. So if everyone thought, you know, people thought that last year was a down year, then I, I can't dispute that. My own personal experience was different. And that's good. If somebody believes last year's down year, you know, that's that's their experience and that's that's completely valid. Um, but as far as Returnal goes, it's a very, very good action game. It's not going to be one of those PlayStation Hallmark stories, I don't think. But I, I definitely think that as far as like the combat goes and the gameplay, it's as rock solid as you'll find on a PlayStation console. Um, it's it's really good. And I think that. The fact that I was someone who didn't like roguelikes, and yet I was sucked into this game, even before, you know, the the whole cloud saving and all that, like going through the first biome and, and just working my way through the first biome, getting, you know, feelings of Bloodborne and having to, you know, grind through, you know, Bloodborne and Central Yarnum again just to beat the first bosses. Um, and that frustration that I lived through there that almost broke me and I almost stopped playing that game. Being sucked into Returnal just shows how fun the gameplay was and how... The game teaches you, you get, I mean, I'm much better at the game now than I used to be. So the game, you get better at the game and it teaches you and the bosses become easier, even though they're difficult, you know, all throughout the game, everything becomes a little bit easier because you played the game over and over and you've gotten better and the game has taught you and you've learned. So despite the game being difficult and frustrating at points, because getting to the first boss and dying over and over again and then having to go through the first biome over and over can be extremely frustrating. I felt that. And I know that's, that's where Daryl stopped was after the first was uh, at the first boss. But but Housemark and Returnal do a really, really good job of sucking you in and giving you enough every single time to make you feel like, OK, this next run is going to be successful and just keeping you with that urge to want to get better and actually, you know, getting better to where you can actually overcome the game. So. I, I, I really like Returnal, um, and I, I'm i glad that I waited to play it, though, because I definitely think this, this, the, um, the suspend cycle feature is critical, because while they should be proud to, to make a, a difficult game, you also risk, run the risk of pushing people away, where something like a suspend cycle where you can just stop dead in your tracks and you can pick up your game later, or, you know, have a backup save if you want to. Some people are going to say that's going to cut down the difficulty, and they're right. But also, I think that even with that, the game is still difficult because you still got to get through the bosses and they're not easy. So 
the game still can be difficult, but I think that allowing people to ease up on it and use the suspense cycle is critical to enjoying the game. Because there's only so many times you can, you know, bash your head against the wall before you're like, okay, well, I'm going to walk away from this. So I have really enjoyed Returnal. Um, I think the the critical reviews on it were spot on. And uh, yeah, someone who loves arcade action games, it gave me exactly what I wanted. And whether Housemark does a sequel, I still haven't seen the true ending of the game. I'm still going through Act 3 in the game. Is uh, So Act 1 is the first three biomes. Act 2 is the second three biomes. So 4, 5, and 6. And then Act 3 is basically a free roam after the game is over. So you don't have to fight the bosses again, although you can if you want to. Uh, it's a free roam, essentially, where you can go back and clean up anything that you have. So get all the collectibles that you need, the audio logs, the glyphs, the alien glyphs, and then also six sun face fragments that you need to collect and then experience the last house segment. So within the first and fourth biomes, there is a house that shows up, a 20th century house that shows up. And once you find a key to that house, you only need to find that key once. There are six separate house sequences that are story sequences that you basically find the house in the world. The lights are on in the house, and you'll know if you can go in the house because, one, either the lights are on or it's decrepit and uh, decayed and, like, vegetation all over and it's dark. So to get the sixth and final house sequence, which gives you the true ending to the game, not just being the boss, the, uh, the fifth boss in the sixth biome, you have to collect the six sun face fragments, and then you can go to the house for the sixth and final time and experience the true ending to the story there. So I'm not to that point yet, but I'm in Act 3. I'm collect- I've collected three of the sun face fragments. And I'm just going back to get to collectibles and working towards the platinum. But I've beaten the game. And uh, yeah, like I said, definitely those moments when you're fighting a boss and you're like, you're harsh pounding because you have a smidge of health left and they have a smidge of health left. And it's basically a war of attrition. It's like, okay, who's going to get to the bottom first? So, uh, but Levi, if you, if you enjoy action games, gun, you know, third person action shooters uh, with a roguelike element to it, or, you know, entirely based around a roguelike, I guess, um, that is difficult, but will push you forward if you're willing to invest. I definitely think that you should check out Returnal. Not my thing, but uh, I appreciate the the review. Yeah, the tricky. There you go. Uh, I'm sorry. What? I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you'll have to excuse him, listeners. He tried to play Returnal and didn't like it. Although he said the same thing about Ghost of Tsushima, and he's playing it for a second time. I I I said. Uh, it didn't grab me at first. It's not a bad game. Uh, sorry, I'm waking up from my nap because you know I got put to sleep there. Uh, You're welcome, by the way. Hey, uh, so Ashley just sent me something breaking news. Uh, Bob Saget died. Uh, I know I just put that in the Skype chat. <sighs> yeah, apparently he died today. What Sucks. the fuck? Sucks. Lost Betty White and Bob Saget back to back weeks. Well. Uh, yeah. Uh, not to bring back the show. I didn't bring down the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to go back and give Returnal a real shot. I played it in passing. Uh, I didn't really sit down and try to get into it. So I got to, you know, really give it an effort. Uh, like Alex said, it was like Ghost of Tsushima. At first, it didn't grab me. I went back, tried it again. And as you'll just point out, I'm going for the platinum the second time. Well, and, and like if you're if you're starting to play Returnal, like I said, there's never a better time than now. But when I first started playing, I struggled to get through the first biome. I, I couldn't beat the first boss. Now I've beaten every single boss. And, you know, even without the suspend save feature, like I was able to make it through from biome one to biome three without dying at all. 
So you will get better at the game if you're willing to invest in the time. And so, I mean, it's it's a fantastic action game. So I definitely think you should give it a chance. And with the ability to upload your suspended cycle to the cloud, if you have PlayStation Plus, it does make the game easier. So if you're worried about the difficulty, you know, give it a chance. You know, that that's a cycle feature might be what you need to push you over the edge. Okay. Well, we're 40 minutes into the show, and I still haven't got to what we're playing, so I'm going to go quickly here. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima and uh, Seitro 4. And I tried Dirt 5. Um, I got to give it a little bit more time. Really didn't give Dirt 5 an option. So, oh. or not an option, a uh, real chance. Oh, yeah. I, I think I did like four races, and it just. It's not clicking. Like, no, no, it, it's. Again, it's not bad. It's just I went I went back to try to finish up Seitro and then Ghost of Tsushima caught my eye, so I was doing that. So I'm um, just really struggling not to play these spam. We're we're nine days in, so <laughs> within the next two weeks, we're gonna be trying to podcast and you're gonna be shaking in the corner. <laughs> no, no. To remove all te- to remove all temptation, I've removed every spam game off of my console, which. Is gonna kill me in uh, 2023 because I gotta find out which ones I got the platinum in, which ones I didn't get the platinum in. So <laughs> I like this. I'm, I'm nine days in, and I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't know if I can make it. I'm definitely gonna make it. I, I don't know. I heard a little. I heard a little bit of. I don't know if I can make it. So wait, does this mean Tricky's gonna have to smoke more cigarettes to deal Probably. with the lack of spam? Probably. He's gonna start stressing out. He's gonna be like, my my my, my platinums aren't moving. I, I gotta do something. He's going to develop an addiction to Wendy's if he doesn't already have that. I haven't had Wendy's since uh, a chicken nugget almost killed me. Oh, my gosh. Ain't no wonder the Wendy's around well, here. Don't Just don't order the chicken nuggets. Do you think a chicken nugget's going to a pop into your one of your burgers? Listen, that bitch tried to kill me. I ain't eating her food no more. She, tried, she probably tried to poison me too, as well. All right. So I would like to let everyone I would like to let Wendy's know that Wendy's has never tried to kill me. Yeah, I, I absolutely love their restaurants. So. I didn't say Wendy's tried to kill me. I said Wendy tried to kill me. That redheaded bitch. She does look kind of psychotic. Uh, she, she wears a mom necklace, too, so, you know. I thought that was your thing, Tricky. Uh, negative. Uh, fun fact about Wendy's. Do you know why their burgers are square? Because it's hip to be square? Yay! Because Dave Thomas refused to cut corners. I, I like Alex Mines answer better. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. Uh, Wait, you're complaining about being this late in the show and you yeah, haven't now gotten... you're going to go smoke another no. cigarette? Really? Is, is not having rat spam that effective? Yeah, that was 43 minutes ago, oh Alex, when you gosh. started going on a long tirade about two games. Yeah, that because isn't that what people listen for? Yeah, like yes. you get news anywhere, I, but I, I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying so, we're literally 43 minutes into the show before I got a chance to say what I was playing. Yeah, it's not like the first time that's happened. What did you play? I don't even remember. All right, I said I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette. My Levi gives us the be legit final and standings. Of course, this is this is your show. You're just gonna put it all on Levi. That's okay. Go Levi, ahead, Levi. The floor is yours, sir. Well, we actually, we've got a top 10, and the top 10 actually all have 20-plus points. Um, so, we have Rick. Rick won with 88 Be Legit points. 
So that um, is a record for the the history of Be Legit, and will probably probably never be beaten, even if we do run Be Legit again in the future. Tricky. That, Mick, that is uh, an important thing to to say is that you've decided not to do Be Legit again this year. Right. Yeah. It's uh, we we don't need it as much at this point. But uh, yeah, uh, Rick won the hundred dollars. Uh, Tricky Mick second place with fifty one points. Tricky was not eligible for prizes since he had cash in the pot. Uh, JT third place with forty six points, and JT got the second place cash prize, even though he was third place. James McCall in fourth place with thirty nine, and he got the third place cash prize. So, fourth place, uh, myself, with 36 points. Fifth, let's see here, one, two, three, four, no, sorry, I was fifth. Sixth is Daryl, with 30 points. Seventh, Yield, with 28. Top 10, yes! Yeah. Eighth is Malden, uh, Matthew Malden, with 24 points. Ninth, Gareth Davis, with 21 and tied for ninth and tenth is Homer, also with 21. And I want to give Kalai, even though she was 11th, I'm going to give her a shout-out because she almost broke that 20-point threshold. She had 19 and came in 11th place. But overall, we had 442 legit games beat by the team this year. Uh, actually, it would have probably been more like... 600 and some, uh, so, you know, several people dropped out there, you know, threw them a little fit and whined and, uh, <laughs> you know, left. But uh, if you if you totaled them, it would probably be more like 600. But uh, still 442. And let's see, last year we had a total of, let's see, 269. You know, our point system was slightly different. This year, you you had the eligibility to get two points um, for the long games. You you also you also we made some exceptions to allow some shorter games. So all in all, I don't know. I, I can't say that we did a whole lot better than last year, but probably overall a little better. Let's look at the average. Let's look at our averages. I don't know the average person. Average person. Actually, the average person last year had more points. Believe it or not. So yeah, the the average person last year, and there was not as many points eligible because of the hard and fast rule of eight, and the fact of the no two points. So. In fact, per person last year was actually more. It was very close, you know, basically 19 versus 18.5. But anyway, still a great year. Uh, I was actually, I thought we just blew ourselves out of the water last year. But now that I look at them, it's pretty close. Um, I mean, we had a strong team last year. We, we did it. We, we hit it hard. So even though there was less available points, we wound up with more. So was not quite as good of a be legit as last year, surprising to say. But still, 442 overall points uh, wound up with a total of 20 competitors at the end of the year. 
and uh, every, everybody had fun. Everybody had a lot of uh, a lot of great games, a lot of great discussions. We we all learned games, you know, especially uh, Rick Waldron. He um, he introduced me to a few games, uh, particularly the Dune series. I, I think the X Files. And I introduced him to probably even more than, than he introduced me to. He went through and basically played my entire top ten, and, and he loved them all. Uh, you know, let's see, who who else brought some notable games? Uh, James McCall. James McCall, I mean, uh, probably three or four, maybe five games that I'd never played. Several others had never played. And uh, Tricky Mick, uh, we, it, it was good interaction this year. We we had a really good time. So uh, 442 points, several prize winners, and you know we might do it again in the future. Not to you know, congratulations to everybody in the competition. It seems like everybody did some good work out there. But cheers to Redbeard Rick for kicking ass out there last year. Rick did uh, some amazing work out there with 80 plus games defeated. Well done, sir. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, they want a reason for why there's, a, you know, not to be legit. And uh, a, a lot of it is just the fact that it's not as necessary <clears throat> as it was. You know, when Be Legit came onto the scene because there was such an outcry, uh, such such oppression, you know, the, the legitimate gamer was was oppressed by the rat spammer. You know, um, first week of the backlog beatdown. You know, you you had several of us heavy hitting be legitters. We were you know, working our butts off that first week, and we finished Skyrim. You know, or or we we finished Wasteland. Or, Excuse me, sir. You don't finish Skyrim. It's true, true. But true, you, you just, know, you just play it again on a different console. We were working our tails off, and we were so proud of our one point. And then we looked at the scoreboards of the backlog beatdown, and Tricky and Daryl and CJ, they had like 15 freaking points that first week. And the outcry was so great. We we heard the cry of the people. You know, we, we, we answered that cry, and we gave the legitimate gamer an option. We, we we gave them a way to to get some credit for the amazing non-rat spam games they were completing. Roll the clocks forward to 2022. We don't have nearly the rat spam problem that we had in the community. It's just not a not quite the thing that it was. In fact, in the new backlog beatdown, there's I don't know if there's a rule against it or if it's just kind of discouraged. Ah, uh, but uh, you just don't have quite the spammy spam that you that you once had. That being said, if rat spam comes to dominate our group ever again, be legit will answer the call. So that is well, that is my commitment to the people. To, uh, I've already been asked to run to be legit for this year, but uh, a, a couple of people also asked me instead of doing a be legit to uh, do a be spammy. Yeah, so. yeah, but. Um, if if the 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 rat spam oppressor you know ever returns and it gets out of hand we we can uh we can always answer answer that call you know you, you said all that but then you know arguably me and Daryl are the biggest rat spammers out there but yet i still came in second place well it officially doesn't count because 
you had money in the pot. Your second no, place, no, no, I'm, your I'm second place about... was the most questioned and contested and argued. You were really because I have I have a lot of haters. Right but through the, fact the, of the matter is the biggest rat spammer in our community, which I take that title wholeheartedly. I still came in second place. Can can I make can I enter something into evidence? Oh God, here we go. You can play video games at work. The rest of us generally can't. That doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You can play at home no, and work. No. I, I think you guys are missing the point here. The point is, is that I'm constantly called out for being a guy who only can platinum and play, you know, rat plats, the quick platinums, the, the, the shitty of the shittiest games. But yet in the be legit contest, I was still able to hold down second place. And let, beat legit games all year, but I don't get credit for that. Let me, I only get credit for getting the five-minute hold R1 to get a platinum. Let me share a fact with you. Go ahead. Tricky Mick, in the first six months of the year, had, let's see, 20, 30, 35 points. Almost two-thirds of those 35 points were short games that required exceptions. And it was such a fuss. At that point, I banned Tricky Mick from any exceptions. After that six months, Tricky Mick got... Nineteen games. So once the ban hammer came down on Tricky Mix exceptions, he scored half as many points in the second half of the year. So, yes, you had a lot of, enough points to get second place, but a darn sight of that was was exceptions for very short games. So it was a heavily contested second place. Okay, but my question to you is: all those exceptions that you're calling, I did out, approve them. Okay, but you're also making it seem like I skirted the rules. I used the rules to my advantage. You, you said retro games and NES games and SNES games counted, and that's what I went after. It, it was a legitimate win. Okay. But that's all I'm trying to get credit uh, to, for. To, to counter your argument, uh, a, a an executive ban was have, had to be placed on you this year. I, I didn't break any rules. No, you didn't. But I, so... I'll tell you exactly what I say, and this is exactly how I feel. When it comes to a competition, I will never cheat, and I will never do anything that breaks my integrity. But I will find the easiest and fastest way to do things. Fair enough. It it was not enough to beat uh, Slick Rick, but it it was a, it was enough to uh, out outman the rest of us. Rick, Rick was a powerhouse this year. And that's part of the reason why I had him on my trophy war team, and he helped win. So, there you go. All right, let's move on. Uh, we actually do have a couple topics. Uh, Yield, I know you asked that question. I'm just being uh, fun, trying to be funny. I know, because we're an hour into the show, and, you know. You, you say, you right, say so. that every time, but I feel like lately we've been running long, and it takes us longer to get to the topics, because we got so much to say about the games we've been playing. 
I I'm always saying that because internally we've had conversations where they say where we say, you know, we should probably get try to get the show down to about an hour, hour fifteen at most, and here we are, an hour into the show, and we haven't even gotten to our first topic yet. All right, so PlayStation has announced six new games for the PlayStation Now, including Mortal Kombat 11 and Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. These games will join the PlayStation Now's library on January 4th. Obviously, that was last week, so as you listen to this. The other games uh, added were Furry, uh, Furry, Fury Unleashed, Unturned, Super Time Force Ultra, and Kerbal Space Program Enhanced Edition. Now, I've heard good things about Kerbal, but I never gave it a shot. Anybody you guys ever played Kerbal? Nope. No. No, sir. But, I mean, give it a chance. I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about it, so give it a shot. Uh, all right. Uh, now the topic that's been a month in the waiting. Uh, this article is... Also, hold on. Game. Real quick. Is anyone actually buying PlayStation now at this point, or is everyone waiting to see what they do with this whole Spartacus thing? I have PlayStation now. I have a two-year subscription to it. Okay, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I would encourage, given that what we know about Spartacus and the rumor out there that they're going to lump that in with PlayStation Plus, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to go out there and buy PlayStation now at this point. And they probably, since that news came out, have seen, I don't know, maybe they've seen PlayStation Now subscribers drop. I don't know. We might have to look into that, but I would be curious to see if their PlayStation Now subscribers have dropped. I've been thinking about loading up a few more years of Plus. Because... I get plus for twenty seven or twenty eight dollars a month on Aniba and CD keys, and I'll just load up a few years at a time. So I'm thinking about loading up about five years of plus. Oh yeah, I mean you should Levi, because I mean like let's be honest, one free game a year. I mean you get more than one free game a year, but for sixty bucks, well, even what you pay, that one game, one free game pays for it. Plus you get cloud saves. And for me, cloud saving is is the even more above the discounts and the free games. Cloud savings what I want to pay for the most. So. And I wouldn't stop people from getting now because I, I'm fully uh, sure that if they do merge the two programs, there's going to be some kind of credit or some kind of attachment to it where it says, well, you have three years of now uh, saved up. You know, we're going to merge that in and just extend your PlayStation Plus Spartacus ex- uh, membership. So good, lo- good luck figuring that out, Sony, because the uh, it's, it's not one to one there with the payments and the costs. No, but I, I, if they combine the services, I'm sure people that have years of uh, memberships are going to some be compensated. Well, yes, they way. have to liquidate that somehow, or maybe if they're doing that tiered system like they talked about, if you have a certain number, a certain amount of time left, they try to work that and say, okay, well, you can go to this tier for free, or maybe pay just a little extra and you get to tier three or whatever. Right. All right, so let's get back to our topic. This is coming from Game Brand and is written by Oliver Vandervoort. Uh, we talked about how Quantic Dream is doing a Star Wars game where apparently there are people that are staging a protest against Quantic Dream's involvement. Well, cue me uh, in on this. I saw this going across the internet the other day and was wondering what the heck was up with that. He says, while there's a decent level of excitement over the fact that the new Star Wars game is coming in the near future, not everyone is excited about which studio is working on the project. In fact, earlier this week, several Star Wars fans started a protest over the fact that Quantic Dream and David Cage are involved in Star Wars Eclipse at all. While the idea of a new Star Wars game has fans of the franchise excited for quite a a while now, Quantic Dream has had its fair share of distractors detractors over the last few years in 2018 three separate french news outlets wrote about accusations that quantic dream allowed in some instances some instances and even encouraged a workplace culture of racism sexism and homophobia 
Those accusations uh, mention studio head David Cage, who is alleged to have told dirty jokes and made inappropriate comments about female actors in his games. Cage claims the accusations were false and even won a lawsuit against one of the publications, but another outlet that reported the accusation was cleared of libel charges. Though these issues from 2018 remain largely unsettled, several Star Wars fans are staging protests based on Quantic Dream's involvement. There have been some media outlets that have vowed not to cover the game as long as Cage is involved. That includes Star Wars Explained, a social media and YouTube account that is considered one of the most well-known voices on all things in the Star Wars universe. On Twitter, people behind the account wrote that the Star Wars Eclipse reveal had them really excited. However, they are disgusted by Cage's alleged behavior towards women and the queer community. The tweet making this announcement went on to say that if it supports that it supports an attempt to boycott of Star Wars Eclipse coverage as long as Quantic Dream allows Cage to be part of the game. While other people involved in the boycott boycott took aim at Lucasfilm for partnering with Chronic Dream on the game. Others point out that there's been many queer BIPOC BIPOC, I'd never heard of that before, and other marginalized people made prominent in the Star Wars universe, and that this particular partnership simply is not appropriate. Uh, as of this writing, neither Lucasfilm nor Quantic Dream has acknowledged publicly or issued a statement about the hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse movement. This has seemingly angered some fans even more and made and made some promise that the social media campaign isn't going anywhere. So, Yield, I will open the floor to you, sir. Oh, so that's why I wonder if that's what it was all about. Oh, well, I mean, people are allowed to have an opinion. I don't know anything about it and haven't heard anything about it. So I'm still waiting to see more about the game before I am a yes buy or a no buy. All right, Levi. I think that in 2021, if you are not called a racist or a sexist or accused of being a racist or a sexist, at least once every six months, you must be living in a cave. Everybody is offended by everything. Everybody accuses everybody of being a racist or a sexist. I think it's just absurd. So this some random joker that's part of the group being accused. I mean, I I'm not going to pay that any mind at all. That that is that's it's probably not true. It's probably all nonsense. This world we live in is is nonsense. That that's my thoughts on that. So, um, Quantic Dreams is one of the best current developers out there. They make what do you call this style of game? The branching, um, branching storyline adventures. I've I've played I've played four of their five games. I've played everything but Fahrenheit. Cinematic games or whatever they want to call them. All right, I absolutely love Quantic Dreams. When Kali, uh, maybe it was Kali and Tricky Mick. I can't remember when you guys turned me on to Detroit Become Human. I mean, I fell in love. That was that is still one of my favorite games of all time. I'm wanting to go play it again. Actually, actually, I might start it tonight. That was just money in the bank, um, and it just went from there. That is still my favorite game from them, with Heavy Rain probably being a close second. But if you know, to me in gaming, the the top consideration when I judge a game is always story. Story, basically, let's take Alan Wake, for example. And I, I'm not, we're not getting an Alan Wake kick, so don't start on me, Tricky. But, f- for example, 
I, I agree with Tricky that the, the gameplay is, is a little lackluster. It doesn't control that great. It's a little dodgy in those areas. But the story, the story is why I consider it an all-time great. Because that the game made me feel like I was in a Stephen King novel. It, it made me feel like I was in that universe. And if a game can do that, it's won me over. Detroit Become Human. And basically every Quantic Dream game has successfully made me feel like I am in that universe, like I am in that story. So to me, they are a top-tier developer. Um, I I love the Star Wars universe. We've been discussing it in the groups this week. My favorite Star Wars games are KOTOR, you know, KOTOR 1 by far. And KOTOR 2 would be my second. Um, heavy story-driven Star Wars games are what does it for me so if you tell me quantic dreams is making a new star wars game take my money uh it will be a pre-order as soon as it becomes available for pre-order i will purchase that game i have always found quantic dream to be a little bit overrated when it comes to their work i mean i i i really like beyond two souls i thought it was better than heavy rain i look back at heavy rain and i understand why people like it and why people laud it I think it's a bit overrated, and I know that people feel that Heavy Rain, it seems like in chats with the community that they feel that Heavy Rain, most people seem to feel that Heavy Rain is a better game than Beyond Two Souls. I've seen a lot of people talk about how they don't like Beyond Two Souls too much, which is which is fine. You know, different opinions, I get that. I've never played Detroit Become Human. I think it was free for PlayStation Plus, so I do have the option to play it on the 4 if I want to. I just think the Quantum Dream, like, story-wise, like, yes, they are some of the forerunners in the industry. They have always done fantastic things with story. They've taken chances. They've taken risks. So even when things kind of fell flat, which I think that things in Heavy Rain did, and especially, you know, with a game with so many branching paths and trying to get every story ending to get the Platinum, that can kind of kill a, story, a game experience. Um, so... Uh, I, I feel like while they have done great things with story, like... When it comes to their games overall, I don't think it's as complete a package um, as people make it seem. I, I don't know. I don't think their games are top of the industry. Well, like a lot. You're, like, you haven't played their best game by your own admission. You, you, I'm not trying to call you out, but you, you say that you feel they're a bit overrated and they haven't brought the total package. But you've, you haven't played their latest and greatest and by far their best game ever. So... I encourage you to go play that this month and us get a follow-up on whether you feel the same way after playing the masterpiece that is Detroit. That's Yeah, that's fine. I, I Sometime this year, I will go back. I am, I can't say it's going to be this month because I, you know, I got to get through Returnal before Horizon comes out. Um, but I will, I will tell you, Levi, that I will play Detroit Become Human. Um, Fair enough. Based on your... And I know that it was one that was Ashley... It said, please download this because I've seen, you know, commercials for it. I've seen trailers for it and I want to play it. Uh, they're not a bad game. I'm not saying they make bad games. They make good games. And I like the risk they take with story. But when it comes to video games and when I think like people who make top tier video games, they offer something different and it's very pointed and it's very direct or it, it's very um, they deliver exactly what they say they're going to deliver. So they're not trying to make the modern day shooter or action adventure game. They're making something very different. Um, which I think that is needed in the video game industry. I just think that when it, when people talk about Quantic Dreams, they talk about something very lofty and just something like, oh, they're like on this pedestal, and I, I don't see them on that. Um, very good at what they do, very solid work, 
and d- pushing the industry forward in their own way. I agree with that, but I just don't think they're one of the best developers out there. That's just, and I don't think they make you know the best games out there. That's that's just personally me. Even though I appreciate the stories they do and how much they invest in stories and you know mocap and all like bringing real people into video. What games. I will say is I would agree with you if I had played the games you have played. If if I had never played Detroit Become Human, my thoughts would be the exact same as as yours. But having played it, um, that that it Detroit became Become Human rocketed them into a whole nother level. Well, and you know that's you know you would think that David Cage and team you know like any development group they would become better at their job as they go along they would have access to better technology and have better knowledge of the working processes to be able to make better games so what you're saying makes sense uh, as far as what's going on and you know allegations against David Cage and the work environment at Quantic Dream uh, I'm not there I you know obviously I have a thing with Activision now where I'm not going to support Activision. Because of the the shit coming out of the news surrounding Activision, um, I can't just brush aside anything that said. Like people say that he told inappropriate jokes and stuff like that. I mean, I can't brush that aside. I can't say that. Oh well, it's probably not true. And you know, at the same time, I'm not there, so I didn't hear anything. So having not read the evidence or uh, you know any articles about it, I mean, I can't really comment. But um, I think if people have concerns about someone's moral standing if if people look at someone as you know not creating a safe workspace environment for the you know the actors that come and do mocap work and and you know do line reading or the people who work within that that uh that setting i think that's a valid concern i think that is something that should be taken into consideration and if you want if you hear the facts and you still want to support them and you want to play that star wars game that's your choice and if i hear the facts and i say that hey you know, I don't want to play this game because, yeah, I, I don't like the way the things I've heard. And I don't, you know, if this is the way that David Cage run things, I don't want a part of that. Then then that is that is my choice. So, um, yeah, I I will play Detroit Become Human. Um, but uh, as far as the Star Wars game, I like the the, ta- the, the the trailer. But, you know, any that's what the trailer is supposed to do. The trailer is supposed to look good. You know, the whole eclipse thing, it starts off with the eclipse, and then by the end, you've gotten to the end of the eclipse, or like, there's a full eclipse. That was all really cool, and, you know, based on what we've seen, it looks fantastic, but it was meant to look fantastic. It was meant to look really good. What the game looks like itself is going to be another thing. Now, Quantic Dream, one of the exciting things about Quantic Dream and what their involvement with Star, with Star Wars is that they do really good a really good job of bringing real people into video games and making you believe that they're real people and doing story. So that is going to benefit a Star Wars universe game tremendously. So um, we'll see what the game is like. I, I, I said, like I said, the trailer looks really good, but a trailer is meant to look good, so they're meant to sell you on that. If there are any flaws, we'll see them come out. But yeah, as far as the Quantic Dream stuff goes, people are allowed to have their concerns. If there are concerns about workplace environments, I mean, we've seen, you know, not with just with Activision, but when I was reading all this stuff about Bully 2 last week about the crunch at Rockstar and how awful of an environment it was people to work in then. So, unfortunately, we're finding out that a lot of video game companies don't have the best work environments for their employees. And you have to take all that in and process it and support who you want to support. And, unfortunately, it's just people are deeply flawed. 
Uh, so my problem with this is that when we reported on this three years ago, everybody was up in arms and saying how Quantic Dream, you know, they're done and all this other stuff. And then now three years later, we're getting this, the the fact that they're doing a Star Wars game, and now all these protests and everything want to happen. And you know, kind of touching what Alex said is like if if this behavior, if if it's true, this behavior should not exist. But I I think. If you were going to quote unquote cancel Quantic Dream, it, you know we would have this story would have been prevalent for the last three years, and not just when you take a franchise that's so beloved like Star Wars, and now somebody's saying, "Well, no, we can't have Quantic Dream do a Star Wars project." But what if they just did Beyond Two Souls two, or they did Heavy Rain two, or they good did, point, you know, D- Detroit two, whatever. Like, are we would we still have these protests? Because right. if the answer is no, then. This you know, people protesting now that doing Star Wars doesn't make sense to me. Well, at all. It doesn't the, make sense to me either. Well, you also those people who have issues with David Cage, you would hope that they would also be saying have problems with Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo carrying Activision games on their stores and still selling Activision games and making money for Activision. Absolutely. Um, uh, so I, I all I'm trying to say is I, I I'm not trying to say the allegations are false or that we shouldn't take it seriously. Obviously, none of us were there. Right. But my point is, is if this was such a prevalent problem within Quantic Dream, we would have been hearing about this more and more and more over the last three years instead of a new story we did three years ago and then it's silent until they announced they're doing Star Wars. Now all of a sudden it's an issue again. It's tomfoolery. That's the world we live in. Pure tomfoolery. I mean, if the accusations are true, you know, absolutely, you know, take it seriously, go after David Cage, you know, cancel Quantic Dream as much as I hate that phrase. Cancel them. Do what you got to do. But if you weren't so worried about it for the last three years and now you're only bringing up the issue because it's Star Wars, your argument's invalid to me. Well, one would hope that if the allegations were true, that Quantic Dream has taken the steps to change their culture. And that's, that's what you want to see is when things like stories like that come out, that People take responsibility for what's happened and changes made within the company to make, you know, no one wants to see Quantic Dream go away. What you want to see, and I don't even want to see Activision go away. What you want to see is you want to see people responsible, held accountable, and you want to see change made to make that a safe workplace for the people that work there. Quantic Dreams employs 180 people. So to Tricky's point, if there was some major issue there, any issue at all, um, 180 person game. That's a fairly decent sized game developer. Uh, we would have been hearing about it the past three years. Well, you, you would hope you would hear about it. All right. So I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to skip the next two topics, uh, which I actually put in the agenda because I wanted to do it with Levi, who's also a VR guy, but, uh, I want to try to get all the, uh, CES news together. So we're going to lump them all together on next week's show. And we're going to move into our topic of the week. Uh, before we do that, I did reach out to Sid, who uh, said that he forgot to send a trophy trophies in last week and this week. But he's going to send one in for next week. So hopefully... One quick note on VR while I am here. I am sure. considering changing to PlayStation VR. I think that Meta, Facebook, um, you know, the, the people that own... Um, Oculus, I think they are running that company like a like a cell phone company. It's every year they've got a, a new model 
Um, I, technology is not advancing fast enough to, to need a new VR headset every single year. And there's always that exclusive game, and it's the only decent VR game of that year. Um, so, like Resident Evil 4 Remake VR. An amazing game. According to everyone, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. But that's literally all they've got. You know, the year before that, which they got me, I bought my Rift S um, for Half-Life Alex. Um, the year before that, it there was another, I can't remember what it was, but it's like they're giving us one game a year, and you have to buy their 300 to $400 headset to, to play that one game. With PlayStation, you get a headset for the generation. You know, you've got a five to six year use out of that piece of hardware, and they usually eventually get most of the other Oculus games too. I don't think they've got... Um, Alex yet, and they may never get Alex, but I think there's a really high likelihood they will get Resident Evil 4, and they might get Alex too. So before I buy another Oculus or an Oculus every year, I probably will go ahead and, and just switch on over and do the PlayStation VR 2. All right. So let's go on to our topic of the week and we're going to talk about uh days gone and the lack of a sequel for it uh this first article is coming from ign and is written by rebecca valentine said despite a relatively well-received run of games from 1999 to 2007 the siphon filter series had seemingly vanished with no reboot in sight but Sony appeared to have one on the mind recently and even pitched it as a project for one of its studios, Bend, which made Days Gone. On a stream with Twisted Metal director David Jaffe, former Bend studio director and writer John Garvin, and game director Jeff Ross talked about Bend's struggle to get a green light for a Days Gone sequel as the studio's next project. While former Sony head Sean Layden had apparently championed the game, Ross said that, quote, as soon as Sean was gone... Days Gone was dead, end quote. It was very obvious that we shouldn't be talking about Days Gone while we're working on the pitch and generating it. It was clear that it was a non-starter and that there's nothing in the pitch that made the local manager and his boss feel good about it. That's probably a failure of the creative group, but it was just an uphill battle the whole time. Ross went on to say that the process of figuring out what Ben Studio would work on instead, Sony asked him if there was any other Sony IPs they'd be willing to use for a pitch, including Ben's old project, Siphon Filter. But Ben turned them down. Ross said, quote, I have zero ideas on how to reboot Siphon Filter, end quote. He added later that he was unsure if the pitch was ever serious. However, it seemed that most likely the idea to keep them busy while Sony figured out what Sony's ex actual next project was going to be. With neither Siphon Filter nor Days Gone on the table, Ross added that the team had also pitched an open-world Resistance game with Ben had worked on Resistance Retribution back in 2009. However, with 2011's Resistance 3 largely a commercial failure, Sony didn't seem interested in a new Resistance title either. Ross and Garvin's interview with Jaffe follows a tweet from which Ross said earlier about how Days Gone likely sold as well as Ghost of Tsushima, but was treated by Sony management as a disappointment. Days Gone has had a critical reception, a mixed critical reception, with the review finding it bloated, messy, and confused despite generally thrilling encounters with zombie hordes. Ben Studio has since spent some time working on 
to support Naughty Dog before moving on to an IP that builds on the open world systems of Days Gone. Now, there's another article, but I'm going to pause here to allow uh, Yield, who uh, probably is hearing that Cypher Filter is dead in the water. Uh, so get, get your wor- your feelings out here first, Yield. Uh, well, that's a bummer how he has no idea how to reboot it. I mean, you just kind of tell the same story, same story, just in modern times. Um, that being said, um, I saw the tweet between him and Sean Layden, or what Sean Layden responded to it. Um, I don't know if we'll ever truly know the answer to what's going on here. You know, guys are coming out from the studio saying that they were shot down, and Sony kind of keeps playing the I don't know what you're talking about card to a small extent. I, 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 I was afraid when Sony buys up some of these studios that they're just going to end up like kind of how Ben has been kind of been here. We just want you to go support one of our other studios that we like right now. So I, I, I hope they come out with another really good IP, but I'm, I'm just, I am kind of disappointed that they shot down resistance and I am disappointed. They shot down, uh, or, uh, days gone to, but I mean, well, what can you say? I'm not real thrilled with the guy running Sony right now. I'm not a fan of him. You mean Jim Ryan? Yeah, I'm not a fan of Jim Ryan. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I personally, for me, that last bit was really disappointing because Resistance Three, which I thought was the best game in that series, was a commercial failure. Uh, that game was really good, especially with the story beats they told in it. Um, I mean, granted, you know, by the end of the game or well, I guess by the end of Resistance 2, they kind of wrap things up and then Resistance 3 kind of, um, or at least wrap things up for one character and then they kind of continued on in Resistance 3 and maybe that's why Resistance 3 didn't sell so well is because of what happened at the end of Resistance 2. But overall, I thought Resistance 3 was actually the best game in the series, so it's kind of sucks to hear that it didn't sell all that well, or at least not, not even well enough for them to consider ever bringing it back as a sequel again or... Maybe not even ever, you know, let it just kind of lie there and never do anything with it ever again. Well, I mean, this isn't the first time that we're hearing that uh, a game that a lot of people loved, uh, the studio or the publisher just uh, decided it was a failure. I mean, the first time we heard about this was Tomb Raider, the the reboots, uh, screening saying that, uh, you know, six million sales is a failure. Well, yeah, six or eight million sales in like, what was it, the first month or two, and that was a failure. Well, I mean, it's it's all based on projected sales for each specific game. So, like, what, you know, 5 million sales might be successful for one franchise, but for another franchise, it may not be successful at all. You look at Ratchet & Clank, most of those games have sold, you know, know, over a million copies. And for Sony, it seems like that's good enough because Sony keeps making Ratchet & Clank games, but for other games... Well, my counter counter to that, Alex, is if you're expecting... Any game to sell more than five, six, seven, eight million copies, if that's your projections, then you need to fix your own thoughts because most games, most successful games, sell in the in the range between five and ten million copies. Unless you're GTA or a Nintendo game. That's not named ARMS or Pokemon Tournament. <laughs> I mean if you you go on now. I'm gonna before I get uh, Alex's and Levi's full uh, comments. There's another article going further into uh, the 
Well, well, yes, because you mentioned how uh, Ross had said that uh, Days Gone had outsold Ghost of Tsushima, but Ghost of Tsushima has also been out a lot less time. So I was just, I was assuming you're going to go into that in well, this. Well, the, the, the original article uh, says, uh, Days Gone director says it outsold Ghost of Tsushima, but was treated like disappointed by management. This is also coming from Jared Moore. Uh, the, I have the original story, then I have an update to it. Uh, the original story says, Days Gone director Jeff Ross at the studio says the game outsold Ghost of Tsushima, but it was still treated like a disappointment by studio management. This week, Ghost of Tsushima developer uh, Sucker Punch announced on Twitter, since its launch in July 2020, the game has officially now sold over 8 million copies. That accomplishment comes just months after the release of the director's cut. While that's great news for the team of Sucker Punch and Sony, the milestone sparked Days Gone director Jeff Ross to speak about his own contrasting experiences on a PlayStation exclusive. In a quote, a tweet about Ghost of Tsushima's success, Ross claimed that Days Gone had actually outsold the Samurai Action Adventure title, but was made to feel like a disappointment by management at Ben Studio. Quote, at the time I left Sony, Days Gone had been out for a year and a half and a month. So just say, you know, and sold 8 million copies. And since it's gone on to sell more, and then on a million plus on Steam, local studio management always made us feel like it was a disappointment. Despite the fact that the wider Sony organization never outly stated that it believes Days Gone was a disappointment, it's pretty certain that fans won't be seeing a sequel anytime soon. Last year, it was revealed that Days Gone studio Sony Ben is working on a, quote, excited new IP, end quote, that builds on top of the quote, deep open world systems that they developed with Days Gone, end quote, after earlier reports suggested that the pitch sequel to the game had been rejected. Uh, it goes on to say basically more of the same stuff, and then there was an update to the story uh, as of two days ago of this recording. Uh, Jeff Ross followed up a tweet by uh, thread by appearing on Twisted Metal director Dave Jeffries' live stream explaining how the 8 million sales figure for Days Gone might not entirely be accurate or at least official. As reported by Push Square, Ross said the source of the sales was from a trophy data tracking site called GameStat. During the conversation, Ross revealed that when he was at Ben Studio and saw Days Gone sold 5 million copies, the trophy data was at 5.8 million. And since he no longer had access to Sony's official figures since leaving the company, Ross based the 8 million sales figure from trophy trackers and the telemetry data. I'll quote, I think GameStat still has the data archived. Based off the 8 million mark, it matched our telemetry, and so I'm like, good enough. So maybe it was 7.7 million, but it was maybe it was 8.2 million-ish. I don't Wait, know. Wait, wasn't it free for plus? Yes. So that's like if he's going off trophy data, that's likely going to influence that and not sales. True. Uh so while Ross has previously found trophy data to be pole apart figures for sales, they're not wholly accurate compared to Sony's official eight million sales announcement for Ghost of Tsushima. But again, uh, I'm just gonna before I open the floor to Levi and to Alex here. I I'm not in Sony's financial calls. I'm not in anywhere. Yeah, you're just in their financial pocket, eh? Right. <laughs> I I I'm nowhere close to you know their business decisions. But I'm saying this, and it's not just for Sony. I'm saying this for any game developer or publisher. If you are setting your sales expectations so goddamn high that nobody realistically can hit them, then you are making a mistake because 
I don't know. Every single person I've talked to that played Days Gone, every single person loved that game. Not one person did I ever meet say they did not like the game. So if you have the demand, like Square Enix has the demand for the next Tomb Raider game, if the demand is out there, put the damn game out. But on the flip side, all you gamers, don't do what they did to like Mirror's Edge. You hounded them, hounded them, hounded them to make a Mirror's Edge sequel, and then you didn't support it by buying it. That That's my two pieces. Alex or... I find it hard to believe that this game sold 8 million, because if they had sold 8 million on Days Gone, you would see a sequel. Because my theory was that it was too close to The Last of Us for them to want to make a sequel. Um, But they were... T- they I, I, Listen... You know I love The Last of Us, but there are two completely different games. That's right, but they could also be too similar. But I just find it ridiculous that there, there's no way Sony says, okay, this game sold 8 million copies, we're not going to make a sequel. There's no way. So the sales for this game have to be much lower than that. Or there's something else behind there where Sony is like, well, actually, no, we don't want to make this a sequel to this game for some other reason. Because if there are 8 million sales, and again, I think that part of that's influenced by the fact that there's free for PlayStation Plus, if he's going off trophy data, and again, this guy doesn't have access to official numbers anymore. Um, but yeah, if it's 8 million in sales, if that was true, Sony would greenlight that in a heartbeat. Because I would guarantee that most of their games don't hit 8 million in sales. How many of their games do you actually think hit 8 million? Ghost Tsushima is obviously one of them. God of War, Uncharted, The Last of Us, obviously. I just looked up on VG charts and it says eight million, but it's based on um, uh, the article I just read, so I don't know if that's accurate. Levi, you have a you want to put two cents into this? Yeah, I mean, it, it might not be just based on the sales; it's just the initial reception of that game, everybody was, you know, say it was a slow burn and they were trying to compare it to the last of us. And it's not as good as the last of us. There's very few games, if any ever produced in gaming history that compares to the last of us. That's, I mean, we're talking arguably the greatest game of all time. So you're, you're trying to compare Days Apples gone. and oranges. Yeah. Um, so they're like, oh, it's it's not as good as, as Lesbos. And, you know, uh, so me personally, I uh, got, uh, what's the what's the former loot bro, the, the, the really emotional guy? Uh, Frosty. Fr- Frosty. God bless his heart. Um, I got. Oh, Frosty. God damn. <laughs> I got Frosty. Uh, to review it for me, I said, "Hey, you know, I'll buy you this game. You know, I'll pay twenty bucks for this game, and uh, you review it for us on a loop, bros." And he played it, and he absolutely loved it. Just gave it stellar reviews, and I said, "Well, I'm going to go play it too." I play, and I absolutely loved it too. That is an amazing game. Now, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima to compare, but um, I, I just remember thinking to myself, why was this game considered so mixed reviews? Um, this is this is a home run, and I really think it boils down to people were trying to compare it to the greatest, arguably the greatest game of all time. And uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm with, you know, I'm with the guys who who developed this game. uh, Management may have considered it a fail, but I I do not. I think they excelled tremendously in producing that game. It was just one of those things where it got unfairly compared uh, to the last of us. So so Levi is there kind of with my argument a little bit where it, kind of got a little bit too close to the last of us yeah with yeah. the the hordes and the the uh the infected and all that right see i i you guys you guys obviously know how i feel about the last of us yeah we know and uh the entire time playing days gone i i mean obviously there's there's comparisons i mean it'd be stupid to say there's not but i never felt like this was a game that was similar to The Last of Us. I played it. I mean, did it have its flaws? And I'm talking about Days Gone. Did it have its flaws? Yes, obviously. But I don't know if I had such an adrenaline rush when I was fighting the hordes. Yield, you you got the platinum in Days Gone too, right? I did. Right. Uh, now, obviously, you played The Last of Us, the first one. Yes. Do you do you feel like there's a direct comparison between the two? See, the, the problem with gaming and gaming journalism today is we like to compare things to the, you know, things that are similar. Similar. So this had zombies. This had hordes. Sony's big zombie horde, horde zombie game. I should say hordes. It had zombies. Sony's big zombie game was Last of Us. So that was the easiest thing to compare it to. Just like when you compare anything that's got kind of a uh, third world vehicular crime game, you compare it to Grand Theft Auto. So that was the easy thing to compare it to. And I think in a way that that is what held it back. Everybody's like, oh, this isn't The Last of Us. And Sony pushed this game super hard. And even I'll admit that at first the game was kind of a letdown to me, only because I felt that they way overhyped it. But once you got going in the game, it's a really good game. I think a lot of people checked out that they were, you know, that that they didn't get through that initial slog and was like, wow, actually, when you kind of get into the story and you get out of the slog, it's really good. So do I, did I compare it to The Last of Us? I probably did initially because you're collecting this, you're doing that, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But kind of like what Levi said earlier about the story, I let the story dictate to me how good the game is. And then, you know, in the level design, how things flow before I totally up and just trash a game. So I, I think a lot of the problem is we as a gaming community on how we react to games. We, we, when we hear a comparison to a game, we immediately put it at that status. So if we're using Last of Us as our standard, our bar for zombie games, if you don't hit that bar, you're a failure. And I don't think enough gamers can step back and go, okay, you're comparing it to this, and then play it and find that game's nuances that make it good and go, okay, this is a good game. Instead, we hear the Last of Us comparison, and if you don't meet that bar, you're a failure. Just just my opinion. Well, and kind of what Yield said there, I mean, d- despite how much it may have sold, I mean, yeah, that's great. 
And you, someone might be like, well, who cares if people finish the game? Sony still got their money if you bought it. You also got to look at Sony probably has all the data to see how many people finish that game. And if yields, as yields suggest, people pooped out on that game and a lot of people didn't finish it, Sony then sees like there's not a lot of sequel potential there because only so many people actually completed the game or got so far in the game. So if people are sputtering out on this game early, there's not a lot of potential there for sequel. And that's maybe one of the financial aspects of it they were looking at. I don't know. Um, I was looking uh, for some of the, the best-selling PS4 games of all time, uh, and I found an article that has some sales numbers uh, from The Gamer, written by Chris Bersner. This comes uh, on, published on May 3rd, 2021. And there's only, four, uh, I think, five Sony IPs on this list for the top-selling PS4 games, but uh, the first one is, number 10 is Horizon Zero Dawn slash Last of Us Remastered. Total... Total sold each 10 million plus copies. Uh, let's see, I think Spider-Man or God of War is next at seven. Total sold 12 plus million copies. At six, we have Marvel Spider-Man. Total sold 13.2 mil, mil, uh, 13.2 plus million copies. And then let's see, one more, I believe, which is Uncharted for Thief's End. Total sold 16 million plus copies. So Uncharted 4 is at the the top of that list. I mean, people we may have, some people may have said on this podcast that uh, we may have had discussions about Uncharted 4 not necessarily being completely necessary and Uncharted 3 kind of having the perfect ending, but... Uh, but, but you said that uh, Horizon sold 10 million copies. More than 10 million, and, and so did The Last of Us Remastered. All right, so... And, and hey, for you know all the people talking about the definitive edition of Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Remastered still sold over 10 million, despite the fact that Last of Us came out on the previous generation's console. What I was going to say is that this kind of leads back to my argument before by saying that 10 million copies is top 10 games. So if you're expecting your game, any developer, any publisher, expecting your game to to sell $10 million to be a success, I think you're over-exaggerating what your game is, your value is worth. I mean, listen, it, do I want every game out there to sell, you know, humongous numbers? Yes. But look at what, what's number one on that list, Alex. Oh, I'm pretty, it was Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That's not a fair thing to say, but all right. So what's number two? Uh, number two was Uncharted four. Okay, and, and they and that sold how many? Let's see, uh, so lo- let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, 20, mi- 20 million plus copies for Grand Theft Auto Five. Number two was Uncharted Four with sixteen plus million copies. Number three was Call of Duty Black Ops Three with fifteen million plus copies. Okay, so I, I just go back. Number two was what sixteen million? Yeah, more than sixteen million. Okay, sixteen million, and this is PS Four, and we know that the PlayStation Four sold over a hundred million PS Fours. That's less than 20%. That 16% of your audience played a game. That it's that's insane. Well yeah, the conversion the think... conversion rate for almost any game out there is going to be awful cuz the number of consoles that are out right, there. But but the, my my what I'm saying is if you have sales expectations that exceed 5 to 10 million dollars and I or 10 to million copies and I and I and I really don't even want to say 10. If you're expecting your game at any point to sell over 5 million copies and you're not budgeting your staff and your, you know, or your resources, I think if you're expecting to sell over 5 million copies on any game, 
regardless of what it is, you're you're overhyping your expectations. Anything sold over that is, is fucking awesome, great. But if you're expecting any game to sell over five million copies, uh, otherwise it's a failure. Then you're overhyping your expectations. That's just personally how I feel. Well, I mean, I think that I mean, you look, you go back to Disney and their whole video game arm and them shuttering everything and just how they handled Epic Mickey. Clearly, unrealistic unrealistic expectations and projections, sales projections, are a lot of the reasons that video game companies stumble is because they spend too much money on marketing or they spend too much money on R&D and they expect these games to pull in such and such and there's just money and they go, you know, get these huge, they spend huge money on, you know, voice talent. I mean, you look at Brutal Legend, a game that yield platinum, you know, in the not too distant past. That game had a huge budget, too much because of how, of the expectations they had for it. Uh, Double Fine went out and got like a, a, you know, paid a ton of money on the voice cast and it just, the project just ballooned up to the point where that game couldn't be successful. So, I mean, just unreal expectations in the video game industry have killed a lot of things. All right. Uh, Yield and Levi, do you have any final comments on this before we move on? Nah. Nope. All right. So let's close out the show. Uh, We are approaching the hour 45 mark, which I think is a good point to stop. Let's do our shout-outs. Alex, we'll start with you, sir. Give a shout-out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is trophy yours. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. A little under the weather here. Um, wanted to thank you all for your your support through all throughout 2021 and your support in 2022 and beyond. We couldn't do this without you all. And obviously, that one of the things that keeps us going is our community, the community events like the Backlog Beatdown, the, the Be Legit, so... Guys, really stoke our fires. You keep us going. The lifeblood, as I always say, uh, the podcast is nothing without without its community. So thank you all very much for just always being there for us. Shout out to Tricky and to Yield. Tricky, all those hours he's working, still managing to, to get on here every now and again and podcast with us, even though he's got a, a dead-ass stare in his face right now. Looks like he's about to pass out. No, no, I'm, I'm just watching an ad on a video, and I'm like, what the hell am I looking for? Yeah, I, I can tell. I can see it in your face. You look at it, lost all sensation. Uh, also, a big shout-out to Levi, sir. Thank you coming out, for coming on and, and chatting with us. And, uh, you know, didn't didn't have to try to defend Alan Wake too much this time from Tricky, sir, but... It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and then, last but not least, I want to give a shout-out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. Uh, like I said, I've been under the weather this week, but... Uh, she went to Target one day, and, and to help me feel better, she bought me a Luigi's Mansion Lego set, which uh, she sat and built her Millennium Falcon yesterday, and I sat across from her and, and did my Luigi's Mansion stuff, and we uh, just sat there in the living room and watched It's, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and had a, a nice little day. So uh, thank you, honey. I love you. Did you uh, – what? Did she get the big one or the small one? Which one? Oh, I got her the, the $200 one. I, I didn't buy the $800 Millennium Falcon. I, you know, funny story is I bought the eight hundred dollar one. Oh, you never built it. And then, no, I it never got delivered. The order got canceled. Yeah, because you're like, oh, why am I spending eight hundred dollars on a Lego Millennium Falcon? No, I've seen. After she, I, I will tell you, if you're considering, hey, am I buying the two hundred dollar one, which is official like Disney Lego, or am I buying the eight hundred dollar one? I don't know how big the eight hundred dollar one is, but the two hundred dollar one is plenty big. And our and hers came with six little figures, including the droids and Chewie and Lando. So. You don't need to buy the $800 one. The $200 one is plenty enough. 
Because that one's that one alone is like seventeen hundred pieces. Listen, you go big or you go. Well, home. sir. Well, first of all, we know good and damn well with how you're talking about how you're just going to work, working twelve hours, thirteen hours, and coming home and sleeping. There's no way in hell you would have ever taken those Lego pieces out of that box. You would have never built that Millennium Falcon. Uh, I just looked up the big Millennium Falcon. It is 33 by 22 by 8 inches. But again, you're never building that, Tricky. Regardless of whether or not you bought it and it got delivered to your house, you were not going to build that. Maybe I'd bring it to work instead of playing video games. I built it. Oh, bullshit. No, you wouldn't. Bullshit. Yeah, I call, bull- I call bullshit. I definitely would. Uh, and it weighs, th- and it weighs thirty one pounds. Uh, Dad, I don't want to get the Lego Death Star. I want the Star Destroyer. You see the ATAT? Yeah, those are slick too. Well, look, you buy the Lego action figures, and or you buy action figures, and you keep them in the package. Yeah, you want to display them that way, but you can't bi- display an unbuilt Lego set. So it's not like you can just leave Legos in the box. So if you buy those, you have to make them, or you just completely waste your money, and you have nothing to display. Ooh, yield. What? You got to look at my screen. Hold okay, on. Okay, share screen. They're, they're sharing, uh, selling light set for the Millennium Falcon. Oh, really? Look at that. For $40, you can make your Falcon light up. I've seen people do that, like on the Star Destroyers. They've put LEDs around the thrusters that look like they're glowing blue and all the the running lights, they look pretty slick. Now what now now what's that for? Is that for the, the big big one or is that for Alex's? Uh hold on. It's it's it says uh, the model number. I didn't look at the model number. Let me go back. Uh that's for that's, Al- if that's for Alex's, you should you should send that to Alex. Yes, it's for Alex's because uh that set is the Alex, maybe you can, if you're somewhere close to the box, it's for uh, set seven five two five seven. It's downstairs. Where the big, where the big one is seven five one nine two. Yeah, the box See? downstairs. See, that would look slick. I wonder if it runs off of uh, just batteries or what it runs off of. Yeah, but it. it short little review here. If you're if you're in the market for a Lego Millennium Falcon, don't go spend the eight hundred dollars. Just buy the two hundred dollar one. It's very nice. It's all you need. See now oh, you got a dis- battery box. Now you got to display it somewhere, Alex. Well, we're we're looking for somewhere to display it. Um, it runs off batteries. Yield. Oh, that's so slick. You should send that to Alex. He needs to get that. Alex, I'm going to send this to you. Well, I'm part of this conversation. I can hear Yield when he tells you to send it to me. It's super yeah. slick, man. There you go. Excellent. Ah. Uh, and it's not a bad price. And, and and just make sure you go to Amazon, uh, approving it first, click on any Amazon link and continue buying that. Sure thing, boss. Just like I do every time. Although, to be fair, I don't really buy from Amazon all that much. Not, not to interrupt your shout outs. Oh, I was done. That was the last okay. bit I had there. So don't apologize to me. We're wasting Levi's time. Yield your shout out, sir. So, as always, give a shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording. Shout out to our special guest and the leader of the Be Legit group, Levi, for coming on and being with us this evening. Thank you, sir. Uh, a shout out to uh, the Rocket League crew this week, Gareth, Nitro, and Alex. 
we I, I thought we had a pretty good night Thursday night. Um, shout out to the uh, Deep Rock Galactic crew, which is uh, the Brain, Homer, myself, and Nitro. Um, I do encourage everybody. Alex has very strong and valid points. I would encourage you that if you are going to play it, uh, play it with a group. I, I will say that. Um, shout out to everybody who was in Be Legit this year. Uh, I mean, I had fun. Starting off this year kind of slow, but that's because I'm playing like four games at once. Um, oh, crap. And now I guess it'll do it for me for this week. Can't think of anything else off the top of my head. You guys were six and four this week on uh, Rocket League Thursday. Six and four? Yeah, well, felt, felt felt better than that. Still a winning record. And if you want, you do four more goals for a short ca- showcase. Who, me? Yes. Oh, I, I guess I should have just shouldn't have stopped uh stopped broadcasting when I went to do my snow day stuff to get my last of my week stuff. Uh Levi, your shout out, sir. Yeah, shout out to the Big Legit community, uh for for everyone for competing this year, even though we were really a team. Um, congratulations to the winners. Um, we, we may bring it back again in the future. Um, you guys will probably still hear from me some on, on the show. It, it probably won't be every month, but if, if there's a topic that hits really close to home and an area that I really enjoy or tricky needs a, a fill in, I'm always here. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll hear from me again. And until that, uh, until that next episode, uh, you guys rock on and keep playing some amazing games. Now, Levi, are you are you doing the backlog beatdown? Yes, I will be part of the backlog beatdown. Yes. Uh and I want to give a shout to shout out to Alex and Yield, uh, for doing the show last week when I wasn't here. But I'm also going to give you a twerp you to you two as well for allowing Daryl to come onto my own show and spend two hours insulting and disrespecting me. I was expecting some kind of a fight hey, back. Like, hey, hey, real quick, what do you guys play yes, Deep Rock Galactic on? Is is it on PlayStation? PlayStation 4. Yeah, we're playing... Uh, three of us are playing on the 4. Uh, the Brain's playing it on the 5. Okay, so if I'm playing it on a 5, I could jump in and play with you guys? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Is that like a plus game or what? Yes. Okay. I might. Uh, I might check it out. Like, like, like I said, you have to do the tutorial mission before you can get in there. And but is it like a, a team said, game, like one team of four versus another team of four, or is it like a team no, of four doing missions? It's it, it's a team of four doing a mission. You, someone, whoever's hosting the game, you know, the game that you join into, they are the ones that, like, okay, we're going to do this mission, you know, because different parts of the map have different missions. Okay, we're going to do this mission. Some of it is refinery where you have to find the well that you need to refine from, and then you have to run, and then you have to run the pipe and then build it behind you, fill it in behind you, and then defend the pump while it refines from the well. Interesting. There's a, sal- there's a salvage mission where there are mules. The mules are what you dump your, uh, what you, re- what you uh, mine, the gold, the nitra, anything that you're supposed to mine, you dump that into the mule and the mule takes it back to the ship at the, when you're done. So is that cross-play? A- could like, um, 
a Steam person play it with a PlayStation person or no? That I haven't I haven't checked into. Okay. That I don't know. Very good. But so so well, I'm going to check guess, it out. Um cuz it sounds like a game I might actually be interested in. It, it, it looks like it's a bit strategic and tactical uh team oriented. Um am am I correct in that it's a, it's kind of a strategic game? Uh Go ahead, Drake. Hold on. The the only crossplay available for Deep Rock is between the Xbox and Windows PC game versions. Okay. So, I mean, um, is it is it like just kind of mindless shooting, or is it you actually well, have a goal you have to be kind of strategic towards? So like so like on the mining one, it'll tell you you have to mine. Your your main goal is to mine. Gold's not one of them, but I won't say the name. So we'll just say you got to mine two hundred units of gold. Yeah. Okay. And then they also give you a secondary. Once you get the primary done, at any time you can end the mission. Send the drop pod back down okay. to get us. We're getting out of here. But at least with the group that we play, we try we try to mine every ounce that we can find before we say we're done. Even if we've got our secondary and our primary done, we keep doing the whole cave until it's time to get out. But like I said, we're still messing around with cave difficulty twos. Once we get into the threes or the fours, once we get our what we need to get done, we might be like, we're out of here. Because I'm sure that the I'm sure the enemies get bigger and harder. There have been a couple of times where we've run across these gigantic, I mean, these gigantic exploding spiders that pretty much wipe you out if they get near you. So, and that's why Tricky doesn't play. And and, and that's why Tricky won't play the game because I mean, there there are spiders. It's first person. They get up in your face. So, yeah, well, and I, hey, I told you that I didn't tell you, hey, man, come on, play with us and let you find out the hard way. I was kind enough to go, dude, you're not going to want to play this. But, um, yeah, I, like I said, I I think it's fun. Okay. I want to, uh, reiterate something about the crossplay. Uh, only the Windows 10 version and Xbox to play each other. If you, if you got the game through Steam, uh, that is not crossplay. I don't know why, but that's what the website says. It said uh, the Xbox One Windows 10 version of the Microsoft Store is an Xbox Play Anywhere title. This means like the following. Uh, by buying the game from the Windows Microsoft Store, you own it for both the Xbox One and Windows 10 Store. The game support cross-platform play. This means that the Xbox One and the Windows 10 Store version of the game are able to play together. Uh, this also means that you are not able to play with people who have bought it on the Steam version. So I find that really weird. Well, uh, so you guys are playing what Wednesday night again? Is that what you said? Uh, we this week we played Friday night, and then we jumped on again Saturday night. So I don't know when we're shooting for this week, but when we find out, I'll, I'll shoot a message over uh, over the Facebook group. Well, I'll go ahead and get the tor- tutorial finished, get it downloaded, do all that, and uh, you let me know, and I'll I'll dive in on the next one. Okay, because like I said, the, uh, the tutorial probably twenty minutes. Um, I'm trying, Alex. What now? Nothing. Okay. Back Are you talking back. shit, Tricky Mick? I just said I'm trying to edit the show for your edit. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, Sorry, I'm I'm off work the next yes, couple days, go. so I've got. Not like I have to go to Sorry, work and Alex, then come I, home. I didn't realize I didn't realize it was your edit. Go ahead, Tricky. Uh, no, no, I'm just being sarcastic because we're hitting the two hour mark, and you guys are just going off again about the game. Uh, I I'm not trying to derail it because you know obviously the space good content. I'm just 
trying to be funny. Oh, okay. Uh, uh so again, torp you guys for allowing Daryl to come on our own show and disrespect me the way he well, does. Well, you're so disrespectful to Daryl. I mean, we got to give Daryl a platform too, equal time. Daryl could do that on his own show. I guess you should have been here then, not had him on as a special guest. I'm not going to censor Daryl if he if he has to fire back at you. Uh, shout out to all the listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to the brothers who had me on their podcast and somehow ended up to being a four and a half to five hour extravaganza in which we talk shit back and forth. Uh, Joseph Priestley, you are absolutely wrong when it comes to wrestling. I have no idea why you even call yourself a wrestling fan. You're, you're a disgrace to the sport, sir. What's he wrong about? Uh, I'm not going to go into that because that's going to delay the show even more. Uh, so shout out to everybody. Thank you for listening. And until next week, if there's nothing else, happy uh, trophy hunting. It, th- th- does Levi get to give his shout outs? I did. He did? Levi did his shout oh. I always go last. Oh, wow. I totally missed that. I'm sorry. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines.